Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Craig Burley and Kay Murray here in the studio looking back on some Monday Premier League action between Crystal Palace and Chelsea. Jefferson Lerma opened the scoring for Crystal Palace, scoring a stunning goal. It put them ahead in the first half, a half in which Chelsea didn't have a single shot on target. But within 90 seconds of the second half, Conor Gallagher had Chelsea level and then came two late goals from Chelsea, one of them from Conor Gallagher once again, and Enzo to make it 3-1. And that had Chelsea taking all three points away from this clash. What are we going to talk about? Man United are winning games, Chelsea have started winning. Who the hell are we going to hit with this big hammer? We thought we'd get your former Blues boys in to help us as well. Yeah, well, it uh, couldn't get much worse than recently. <laughs> Mario Melchior and Frank Buffer with us as well. Okay, well, well, they, well, these two hate Chelsea more than me. <laughs> so I, I don't want... So let's see what you've well, got to my... say. Let me start with you. Well, what, you want to talk about the first half? I want you to, well, you might want to talk about the first half. Well, let's look at it overall. What's your takeaway from the game? That, that Palace are a poor side and that Chelsea were so pedestrian for 45 minutes, but it got better. And that's yeah. all you can ask is, is that at the moment to, to try and piece some results together and get some momentum, get some confidence. And, but he's still searching for his, what his best side is, what his best attacking options are. Uh, Thiago Silva had to go off injured. So, you know, not all positives, but go away from home again. You beat Villa 3-1, you beat Palace 3-1. It's better than it was. That's the only thing I could say. It saves. It's a bit like Ten Hag in a sense where you just don't want to have to come in and answer those questions again. So it's better from Chelsea, but boy, there's a long, long, long way still to go. What have you got to say, Frank? Uh, well, you know, I was like all the fans, you know, uh, expecting a confirmation about uh, the, the, the Villa game that we saw and the good performance that, we, that they had. And uh, yes, I was appalling the first half. And uh, as Craig uh, said, they were very pedestrian. And uh, that was the key, you know, against uh, Villa. They didn't dominate the game, but they, they paced up the game. And that was the difference. And the second half is what they did. And it's how they made the difference. Uh, that was crazy to, to hear the fans singing the song, you know, because they're the only one who believed that Chelsea could change their mind. Uh, but they say, you know, the, everything's going to be all right. Everything went all right for for. Uh, for, for Chelsea, they sang, they sang uh, Bob Marley, that was great, and maybe cheer up the, 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 the Chelsea players. And they, it was a different side, different color, and, uh, and, uh, and they did what they had to do. Um, you know, I want to congratulate Conor Gallagher. I mean, that guy uh, had a great game for 90 minutes, and maybe he was the only one to, to have done so. Imagine if they let him go, Mario, Conor Gallagher. Yeah, I said it so many times, I still don't understand that situation because I think he's the one team that kind of drives it, you know, when they need the, the character, the energy, the motivation, I think he's always 
and showing it. Also because he has to, because in the sense of like, you had an armband for so long, okay, regarding of, you know, Chilwa being back now, but he had that. So they needed the motivation and they needed also, I always say like, this is a team that has to hold on to a certain part of their culture. So that's why I think he's very important. But what the guys already highlighted, the first half, you understand, was so slow. I, I couldn't understand why they kept it so slow. He tweaked it in the halftime and then changed it a little bit, but I didn't understand as well what Palace did because they allowed Ch uh, Chelsea to attack from the right-hand side. Okay, they took Madureka out, but Malagusto kept on attacking on that right-hand side and they never closed him down. So I think that, that was kind of one of the key things that I didn't expect Roy to linger on for so long. And I also was looking at Chelsea, why it took so long for them to pick up the pace. Because there were a couple of moments where Fernandes trying to put the true ball and there was nobody standing there. So that was kind of like, in the first half, it was kind of like, wow. But then the second half, I felt like they... I think Chelsea, when when they play against a team that really wants to go at them, they, then they can find the open space. But when they have to dictate the tempo and dictate the moments, cut through, that's when they struggle. And that's what happened the first half. It's hard to sit here and talk. It's quite difficult to do this job in a way that... What do you say about a club that has spent the amount of money they have spent and they are... 10th in the table you know what do we sit here and say well things are going in the right direction because I, I don't I think it's a little early for that they have a big cup final coming up against uh, Liverpool in the Carabao Cup which we have that's going to be a, a proper test which I mean they got hammered against Liverpool last time out so I think it's a, they're a difficult conversation at the moment because you know, we can sit and talk about Man two teams that have really struggled. Man United have spent big, really, over the past few years in Chelsea. But we can, you kind of hang your jacket on Man United a little bit with the discussion because, you know, you could say, well, you know, the, will, they, will, they, will they overturn Villa? Will they catch Tottenham? Will they get in the top four? Can they keep putting the, uh, these results together? With Chelsea, it's, what's the end game this season? You know, finishing above Brighton? You know, no, getting yeah, scraped Craig, into Europe somewhere. I mean, I, I just don't know where to go with this Chelsea discussion because what's, what, what, what at the end of the day, Frank, is going to be acceptable? I, I just don't know. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. The, the only thing is you have to forget about that because that's the bold problem and the bold issue, the numbers. What you have to look at is at the players and what, they re, what their value it, it really is, and uh, it really is, and uh, that's for sure. When you watch Caicedo and even Fernandez, they're not worth 100 million, for sure. They're young players, they have a bright future, for sure, they are talented, but they're not that value. So if you analyze or, or, or expose what you want to say uh, about them according to what the Jesse paid, you're going to be wrong, for sure, because you're going to be nice sometimes where, you know, that is not even, it's not at the, at the level that we, we would love them to see. They're not, they're not worth that money, that amount of money, for sure. And most of them, they are future players and we just have to analyze and comment what we see. And what we see is a mid-table team who are doing sometimes good, uh, sometimes great last, last week, but most of the time average. But uh, when they do well, we cannot analyze it because Caicedo worth um, 100 million. Because otherwise, we're going to demolish the guy every time. 
It's not about to get any easier for Chelsea either. And Pochettino said after the game that the biggest challenge they have is consistency. This is what's ahead for them. And you pick out a few there. Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal in there as well. It's not an easy run. No, and and I think if they have enough positive results from that upcoming schedule, then I really sit and think we could say, well, that's... He's turned the corner with this with this group and they're buying into what he's doing and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But at the moment, until they do that, I'd hate to say this, but they're kind of not worth talking about, really, to a, to a certain degree. They're, they're, I said at the start of the season they would be mm. an afterthought and they pretty much are. Yeah, they're in the FA Cup. Yeah, they're in the Carabao Cup final. And maybe they will... Prove me wrong in those games, but at the moment they're uh, they're not worth talking about much more than some of the other sort of mediocre sides, and you know, and it's kind of where they are. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not very often lost for words, but I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of flummoxed here in what to say about this. I mean, the Villa game was different. Villa Villa was a proper, you know, that was a really good away performance. Okay, Villa have faded and are a little bit more jaded, but. You know, they'd only been beaten once at Villa Park until obviously United beat them at the weekend. They'd only been beaten once and that was Newcastle. Uh, so that was a little bit of a scalp. FA Cup away from home uh, after the draw at Stamford Bridge at Villa Park. That was something to set back. Oh, that was pretty good. If they can do that for five or six games, which they've got coming up, big games, and get positive results in, in the majority of them, then m- maybe we could sit and say... Yeah, he's on the, the right track. If they were to lose four, four or five of those games, he's back in the mire. He, yeah. he, he really is, and he's going to be under pressure again. So the next, I don't know, three or four weeks are, is going to be just as important as the previous three or four weeks for Maurizio Pochettino. Mario? Yeah, yeah, no, look, before we, we started the season, we already said that as well. And um, on that scale, I definitely agree with what Greg said. You know, said that it's, it's a difficult situation, but also where they come from. So I think sometimes people have to understand when the change happens, it's very difficult to find the, the right metaphor in a sense of like how you're going to grow your team. And I think now, why are we seeing so many ups and downs um, at the bigger clubs? I think sometimes they get caught by having great individuals, but they don't perform as a team. And the moment when they perform as a team, we go like, oh, they did okay. And I think, and when we watch them as individuals, we demand more of them. And I think when you, when you watch, for example, even today, I saw first half, I didn't see a team performing really well. But in the second half, I saw a team outsmarting the other ones. And I think that is kind of like what Chelsea is playing with. Because regarding if we're talking about the Liverpool final, the City is also like a final for them. Because when they go to the City, they, like I said last, last week when I was on, I said, it's very important eh, how you go into a final. We, we have all come across finals ourselves. And the most important part for a final, people can say whatever they want, is the confidence that you bring with you when you enter a final. So when they are playing City, you don't want to lose and look so bad. They don't have to make the game because we clearly know that, that they are not there to make the game when they play City, but they're going to sit back and try to maneuver and hit them on the break. Okay, But then they're going to play Liverpool. You're playing a final. It's a one-off game. What are you going to do? So those are the kind of key things when they start, you know, coming towards the end of this month. I think it's going to be very, very important in what they're going to do. 
in the next step if they want to keep on growing. Things are very different in the north of the capital right now, particularly for Arsenal. They thrashed West Ham 6-0. And after that game, Bukayo Saka said, we were 4-0 up in the first half and we could have scored many more, including myself. I think we smelled blood today and went for the kill. And obviously it was quite something if you watched them, Craig. Just what, I mean, even to compare the likes of this Arsenal team and Barcelona at the weekend, after they score their goals, Arsenal, they're just relentless still. Barcelona just don't even seem to have a drive like this. Like Arsenal, when you look at them right now, they just are relentless as a team. Well, they're playing for each other. They're playing for a league title. They're playing for the manager. Dare I say it, they're playing for the badge. Uh, they're playing with pride. All of those sort of cliches and every one of them Barcelona are not doing you know those players have pretty much chucked it you know they, they, they threw the towel in the bulk of them the Barcelona players probably a third, a third of the way into the season and I include the likes of Lewandowski and others in that uh, uh, look if Barcelona might as well change the manager now right because at this rate, they could finish outside the top four. They'll get whacked by Napoli probably in the Champions League. And it's becoming embarrassing. Granada, second bottom of the league, scoring three goals just to add to the, all the other teams that have scored at, at, uh, at the Montjuic. But the Arsenal thing was that really impressed me. That was like, no, no, Arteta, Moyes, I played for him at Everton. Am I going to feel sorry? For no, no, no. We, we have business to do here. There's goal difference. There's business. We're going to put a marker down. And it was relentless. And it could have been... It could have been eight, it could have been nine. Dare I say it, it could have been, could have been double figures. Such, it was so impressive and the gulf was so big between the sides. And I heard Stevie and the guys talking about it yesterday. The defending not only from set pieces by West Ham, but in general play was absolutely horrendous. And you do that against this Arsenal side and they will punish you. Look, all the talk in January was a striker. You know. Will they win the league without a striker? Will they do this without a striker? Will they do that without a striker? If you look at Liverpool, Mo Salah apart, who's injured at the moment, do they really have an out-and-out -out front man that's going to get you the goals to compete with Man City, who are the team to beat? The answer is no. City are the only side with a recognised, quality, world-class striker. What Arsenal have done very well this season is they've shared the goals around. Now, Liverpool have got goals, but only four players in this Liverpool side have got four goals or more. You look at Arsenal, it's nine. So they're not as prolific, but they're sharing it around. The last four games they've played, 16 goals. So I don't think there's any talk at Arsenal at the moment of, oh, we're struggling for goals. Oh, we're a little worried. And yeah, 6-0 is a bit of an anomaly against a, a half-decent Premier League team. But you look at Liverpool when they had success, they won the Champions League, they won the Premier League. Roberto Firmino was the front guy. Roberto Firmino was never what you would call a prolific striker. He was a link-up player, he was a worker, he's a grafter, and he got his quota of goals. That's kind of what Arsenal is at the moment. And maybe in a sense it's what Liverpool have become again. With Nunez, you know, only eight league goals for him. Plays on the left sometimes, plays on the right, plays sometimes up front. And I think from Arsenal's perspective... It's about the set pieces, which they've been obviously great at, and the, the boys touched on it yesterday. But it's about sharing the goals around of the guys that come in and do a job, like, Lisa, like Leandro Trossard, who again did absolutely brilliantly, like the goals from midfield, from Odegaard and from Declan Rice. And they're going to need Havertz to chip in. They're going to need Martinelli to chip in. And Bukayo Saka's got 10 goals. He looks like he's just come through that period of flatness 
where he'd gone off the boil a little bit. And that game at the weekend, although it was pretty easy for him, it just looked like he was back, sort of puffing his chest out again. And I think for me, and I've always said, and I don't know what the guys think, that Arsenal, out of the three teams, or out of the two teams, are the team for me that are just slightly ahead, chasing down Man City. It is very close, Key. Very close. City are still the team to beat. But the reason I say that is because they've really shared the goals around, around the side. And when you can do that, and if you can continue to do that, I think you're in pretty good shape going forward. Looking very impressive, as Craig said, right? Arsenal right now, Frank? Yeah, they are. They are in the, the increase, the level, comparing to last season, the experience. And the, I think William Saliba said it on the French TV that he knows that they're better than last season, but they will have to win every game until the end of the season if they want to hope for, for a title because City is very strong. Uh, but they're getting better and better, more experience. And I love, you know what, the spirit. The spirit of playing together. Uh, Mario touched that, you know, about the fact that uh, um, you have to play together in order to get the results. And we are talking about Chelsea. That's exactly uh, what Arsenal uh, are doing right now. They play all together. It's why they score, many players score goals. Uh, they, they're not uh, targeting somebody to score the goal, like a striker. A city proved. Uh, many times, many uh, some years ago, before Haaland came, that you can win titles without a, even a striker. Yeah, you can have a superstar, you know, like Messi, like Ronaldo, like Mbappe, and maybe win titles. But you have another way of thinking the football, and I like that spirit, that collective spirit, which makes me think that I love that sport because it's for everybody. It's not for one guy. It's not basketball when you play, and I saw the Lakers players some years ago where everybody was getting the ball, but at the end, you knew that it would be Kobe Bryant would get for the shot, would go for the shot. That's different with football. That's what I love, that game. It can come from everybody. Yeah, Mario, teamwork makes the dream work, eh? No, definitely. I think, I think also when we look at Arsenal, right, it's a team that wants to win the game in a beautiful way. They're not always as much as the other ones that we talk about that are business. I think City is, of course, you understand there are similarities in that because City also want to win and want to win in a beautiful way. But the rest is now on the term of business. You know, when you look at a Liverpool side, they have great games, but sometimes it's purely business how they want to win the game. And I think City and, and Arsenal always been like that. So when we look at Arsenal, the way they perform and the way they play the game, even when you saw the, the last goal, for example, what, um, uh, what uh, Rice scored, there were two midfielders missing out on the occasion of trying to get the ball. The ball comes in the middle, and normally you're playing against a West Ham side that is not performing like they normally are performing, because if you go a couple of weeks back, they were in a, in a comfortable run. And now you could see that the ball still drops to rise and he hits it and strikes against his full team. So moments like that, I think we talked about it in the beginning of the season where we said like um, for them to move into a character like Rice, that could be the implement for what the team needs because we always talk about Arsenal. Great football, but they miss out on a little bit of character. Now they got a bit of the character, I feel like in Rice, and now I feel like they are uh, the team that we definitely have to be put our eyes on in the sense of like, will they push all the way through and really get a problem? Because last season, we don't have to talk about the disappointment what they achieved you know, in the sense of not getting there. But this season, let's see if they can push all the way. And I'm sure Guardiola and them too, you know, because Ateta and Guardiola, you know when your two mates play against each other, 
don't you love the most by beating each other just because of being friends? You want to get one over your friend. And he will push all the way just to make sure he gets one over his friend. Now, obviously, Man City are favourites as we just look at the Premier League title odds. But it just goes back to what you were saying, Craig, that when you think about who's most likely to push them all the way between Arsenal and Liverpool, it is Arsenal that you're leaning towards then because of what you're seeing. Yeah, I've leaned towards them pretty much all season. And it's very, as I said, it's, it's, it's very close. It's not, I'm nitpicking between the two. City are still the team to beat. Look, we, we, we lay the facts on the table. There's three teams going for the title at the moment and only one of them have a recognised world-class striker. And that's not Arsenal and Liverpool. So those two are going to have to figure out a different way to do it. The, the same thing that City had to do before they had Haaland and, and Sergio Aguero had, had, had sort of left and, and they did figure it out. And yeah, they've got front, both of these sides have got front players that are very attacking and, and yeah, maybe Liverpool will hang the hat possibly in Mo Salah when he's fit again, who obviously gets his uh, fair, more than his fair quota of goals. You wouldn't call him an out-and-out -out number nine, but he gets his quota of goals. But I think the only, what we do know is, is City have this big Norwegian up front that's a goal machine. The other two do not. So they have to figure out a title challenge in a different way. And I just feel at the moment, Arsenal have came through that little sort of blip around mid-December, Christmas time. They had the break. They went away to the Middle East. They took the families, the, whatever, you know, whatever the discussion was around that. Uh, and, and they came back and the big game was at uh, the Emirates a week or two ago and they put a marker down against Liverpool. They really put a marker And it wasn't the strongest Liverpool side and it certainly wasn't the strongest performance. But for me, they're just four or five percent ahead of Liverpool in terms of putting a title uh, charge together. I might be wrong. Maybe it is Liverpool that comes. I hope. I hope they're all in there. But I think what we do know, City are the team to beat. But I, I like what I'm seeing from Arsenal, and I like the fact they're sharing the goals around, and they're getting goals from set pieces, and they're getting goals from defenders, midfielders and the forward players. Who do you think pushes hardest, Frank? Arsenal or Liverpool? I was afraid you would ask me that question because I'm really indecisive. Be because I'm like Craig, you know, I mean, according to what we saw uh, when uh, Arsenal and Liverpool played against each other, I definitely go for, for Arsenal. But we know the power of uh, reaction that uh, Liverpool can get and, uh, and uh, with Mo Salah coming back and I'm sure Klopp, you know, uh, dealing with the players in the dressing room, making sure they're going to go to the, to the right side. I, I, I still think that Liverpool is a little bit ahead, you know. It will surprise me that uh, they will get uh, another bad performance that they had at, uh, at the Emirates. So I have to go with Liverpool and uh, the fact that maybe winning against Chelsea, uh, which will make me sad in a, in a, in a cup final, will push them uh, to, to their best. Oh, well, Mario, you were saying you wonder if Arsenal can go the distance and can push City this season once again. You're the tiebreaker today. Who is it? Arsenal or Liverpool who pushes hardest? I have to be a tiebreaker because I already picked Liverpool before, so I don't want to change it really because I said if one man can motivate his team and if there's one man that wants to walk out of this league with the Premier League title, it's club. You know, he knows this is his last one. 
Um, there's no doubts about it. I think that his focus will be get me that title, guys, no matter what happens. Even if you when you see his players talk, you know, like uh, Van Dijk, when he makes his interviews, the way he talks about it and the way he says, like, okay, we know the goal, our goal and our motivation is the direction we want to go. He talks about, he said, I will focus on this season. Why is he saying that? Because he knows he has to talk about this season because next season will be a new man. They don't know what's going to happen with the deals of him, Salah and Trent because those are the kind of key figures in that side. So I think the motivation for them to walk away with a trophy, I don't know if from the deal break, I will go then um, Liverpool will um, will push it still, I think. But I think, I think Frank said a- that too. I think we should get a Mr. Nickel on the phone from Burlington, Connecticut. He'd, he'd go Arsenal, <laughs> wouldn't he? He'd definitely. Oh, we could. Of course, we could Anytime. also go the. We could also go the other way, and say City are probably just going to win the league anyway. Yeah. Well, we're saying <laughs> somebody who, has to make. Who's going to be closest? So we're going to do the same with the top four odds as well, because obviously Spurs are favourites to finish in the top four. But we did see that big win for Manchester United over Aston Villa at Villa Park at the weekend. So. Who should Spurs be more mindful of behind them? Aston Villa, who seem to have lost their rhythm a bit of late, or Manchester United, who appear to be on, dare I say it, a little bit of a charge? <laughs> yeah, got outplayed, really, for a lot of the game, but, but we're very resilient. And obviously, McTominay coming off the bench, which he's been pretty good at and effective, more effective than when he starts. Uh, it has been... I, I would say... Who would Tottenham be more fearful of? I think Man United. I think Villa are just running out of gas a little bit. Uh, you know, Ollie Watkins had his chances in the game, was a little sluggish. Bubakar Kamara has not been great recently. He's now injured. McGinn and Douglas Louise have played a lot of football. Uh, I just don't see them having the squad depth uh, to come in and, and make the difference. And on top of that, they're starting to look really creaky at the back. I mean, they have played this sort of high line for a lot of the season, but I just don't think Diego Carlos and, and Clement Longley, are, 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 along with Digne, who's been out, came back off the bench, but Cons uh, is out as well now. I just don't see this back line keeping the clean sheets that they need, so I'm, I'm going to say I think Man United are more likely to put a run together than, than Aston Villa. All right, OK. So just in case we have to make Mario the tiebreaker again, I'm not going to do that to him this time. Why? It, well, it depends, actually. It depends what he's going to say. Let me ask Mario who he thinks Spurs should be most fearful of. I, oh, straight away. Let's keep it easy. Man United. I don't think <laughs> because I have a feeling that, you know, sometimes you have that lucky charm going your way. And maybe Ten Hag got something now. And he also has the pressure, of course, because the new owners, you know, they don't talk about it. But I'm sure he has some also to prove a point in the sense of like, hey, there's a season after this, eh? and see what their plans are, what they want to do, because they dictate what the movement is in the club, in the sense of like coaches and everything. So, you know, Radcliffe, I'm sure he's watching him and making sure that he, you know, keep the momentum going of the team. So I say Man United. All right, can we get a clean sweep then at least? What are you saying, Frank? Uh, I'm going to say otherwise. I'm going to start to put <laughs> Aston Villa away because, I mean, yesterday, uh, I don't understand uh, uh, Unai Emery. Uh, you are drawing at home, okay, but you are drawing and you can keep Manchester United six points uh, behind you. And, uh, and, and you don't... Uh, defend. You try to score a goal. And um, they lost their mojo. I think they lost their mojo. Ramsey had two clear chances. Yes, Garnacho had two uh, chances too. But 
Uh, they should have scored. Ramsey should have scored, and, and, and he didn't. And you are two minutes away from the final whistle, so just ask your players to, uh, to, to pack the bus and just draw, and you skip the six points, and you don't, so you're out of the business for me. Then, yeah, but too I want to believe too. that... Did you think he was too emotional, Frank? He was too emotional as a coach at the touchline. Come on, yeah. he let himself go. Well, I, we, he, he's been proven uh, with the Romantada in Barcelona <laughs> with, uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. And I know, I know, I know that about for, from a long time. But and uh, between Tottenham and Manchester United, it's still six points, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I really think that uh, uh, Tottenham, we were talking about the lucky point that uh, that you need to have uh, the last goal, the, the last second from Johnson. Uh, Johnson, sorry, uh, was crucial for me, and it will give the boost of confidence knowing that Human Sung is back. So um, I want to believe that Tottenham is going to get the fourth point, the fourth place, sorry, uh, spot, and um, uh, and they're going to finish better than uh, the Manchester United. You know, I don't think Postecoglou will even be looking behind them. I just don't think he's that kind of manager. I, I think he's so he's been so positive in his team selection, the way they've played, and his press conferences. Even in his mind, he's he's thinking about hanging on to the two or three, the, the teams above them. I mean, that's a, a bit of a pipe dream, I think. But in his mind, that's, that's what he's projecting to his players. You know, we're looking, we're looking at the teams above us, if any of them falter, not, not who's behind us. But, and, but I just think when you look at the two sides, if you look at the three sides now, I felt Villa were in a good position because they were a little bit of a hybrid between, between the sides. They were very attacking, but not as open as Tottenham and they could grind some results out. They've just stopped doing that. Uh, and I think Tottenham are in a good place, as Frank said, with all the players coming back as well. So it's it's in their hands now, Tottenham. And, and oh, you, you're four. changing your mind. <laughs> well, no, they are the favourites to finish in the top four. We want to know who's going to push them harder. Well, so why am I changing my mind? <laughs> I never. I... Oh no, I, I know. I thought I thought you just said that Manchester United is going to finish uh, fourth. That's what I thought. That's what I heard. No, no? I said no. I, I, said, I, I, I said. I said. No, 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 no. I said if Tottenham are going to have to worry about anybody, it would be Man United. Exactly. I don't, I don't, ah, I don't okay, think, okay. I don't think okay. Man United will get in the top four. Although a little caveat, that I did have them in the top four in my predictions at the start of the season. Oh, they'll be coming up. So, ah. I, if, so if they do squeeze in there, I'm not be that upset. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait for the end of the season. I can't even remember what I went for, but they'll be coming back up. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel for all the latest on the top four race and a lot more from the world of football. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match 
with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome along to the Bernabeu, the summit conference between the top two, one of the greatest stories in world sports, deep into the season, and little Girona come to play the mighty Real Madrid, still daring to dream that they can shock the world by winning the La Liga title. Vinicius, Fizic one, oh, what a brilliant goal from Vinicius, whipped it like a rocket, goalkeeper kicking himself, but Real Madrid lead early. Here's Vinicius, that's a great idea towards Bellingham, he's got in here, Jude Bellingham, 2-0, Real Madrid with a brilliant goal. Vinicius again, Going to torment that defence, lovely footwork from him, he nearly gets it in, and they do score, Bellingham's there again, right place, right time, 3-0, and that is probably that. Rodrigo, running and running, allowed to run and scores, nobody challenged him. They said, why don't you have a shot? He said, thanks. And Real Madrid are absolutely running away with this now. It has finished at the Bernabeu. Real Madrid 4, Girona 0. Real Madrid's 4-0 win over Girona on Saturday has them five points clear at the top of La Liga's table right now. Craig, you were on the coverage for this game at the weekend. Carlo Ancelotti made a few little tweaks to his Real Madrid side. How did it impact the game? Yeah, subtle changes with the same personnel. We wondered when Benzema left how they were going to fill this void. And that, for most of the season, has been, we'll call it a front two pairing of Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo. But it's been narrow. None of them have played really wide. You know, they both are wide players. But look how narrow they are here against Atletico Madrid. So they've played pretty much as a pairing in there with Jude Bellingham supporting uh, from behind. And, And, you know... It's, it's worked pretty well for them. You may have noticed, they're top of the league. Why would you want to change it? But the one thing they did at the weekend, and the, when you saw the team, it was uh, Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo with Bellingham. So you think, right, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to play narrow in here. They're going to play as a partnership. But this guy here, he's just always got these little things up his sleeve. And what he did was, he played them as wide as wide could be. Rodrigo on the right, Vinicius Jr. on the left with Bellingham supporting from in behind. And that gave the two fullbacks a problem because they have been, uh, Gutierrez and Cotto have been two of the best fullbacks going forward in, in, in Spain. So they couldn't go forward. Now all of a sudden you've got two centre halves with nobody to mark. So that allowed space for Bellingham to get in. But it wasn't great defending from Eric Garcia. But that, that little tweak from Carlo Ancelotti playing those two as wide as he did, really gave Girona a massive headache. Don't forget Daley Blind wasn't in the side, so they had to make a change Girona in the centre-half position. The centre-half didn't know where to come out and pick Bellingham up. 
or not. The fullbacks couldn't go forward, really, because you had two guys out wide. And sometimes Bellingham was dropping in and putting the extra man in midfield. Little subtle changes with the same personnel. When you see the team, you go, right, you know, Vinicius through the middle, Rodrigo's through the middle. We know what they're going to do. No. He's, he's had a thought, think about it. He's went, how do we give them a problem? This is what we're going to do. And it worked an absolute treat. I have not seen Girona so ineffective going forward uh, this season. And also, it worked really well for Real Madrid because they were brilliant. And not only were they brilliant, Vinicius Jr. was outstanding. Yeah, and we'll get back to him in just a moment because Carlo Ancelotti's had some glowing praise for his player. But Mario, I just want to talk to you guys as defenders. What do you do when you're facing a front three like this? How do you even decide to pick up? The difficult part is that what, what Craig just said, you know, he kept them wide. But normally, Gutierrez, you know, he comes inside the field for Corona, you know, and, and gives them that extra stability in the middle. So that, if that couldn't happen, you know they have this, this speed. But one of the key things I felt is like, okay, we talk about Bellingham, right? He's so talented, he's so good and everything. But sometimes you can also watch him in the timing and, okay, at the goal when he got the pass from uh, Vinicius, but also how he gives the biggest problem he gives them and any defender is when he doesn't come against you. When you play against a striker, right, and a striker backs up against you, you know at least where he is. So as a defender, you want that. But when the guy then drops off and plays on the back of the midfielder and waits, and then he also has that pace to go beyond you, and I think that is that floating position that he plays all the time. He's so smart in knowing where to pick up the ball, where the danger is, and he sees space. And I think that was one of the key things, I think, like as a defender, you want to play against that. But then, of course, if you get the guys on the outside, you know, and Phoenicius, a 1v1 Kate with Phoenicius and Rodrigo is, you know, okay, you don't have the speed. Let's say you don't have the speed, but then you try to have the intelligence. But they also possess that as young boys. So I think that is what gave them the biggest problem, what they were facing, because you could see uh, a team that had great runs, but you could see the size of Real Madrid was just a step ahead for them. And I think this weekend we could clearly see the difference in the in a size of a team and the way someone play. Even when you you know you saw a pass of Cruz, the way he dictated the middle of the play, coming out and saying like, I don't know if I want to extend my contract. Yeah, I understand because at the moment he's enjoying life. Yeah, and as Craig mentioned, Vinny Jr. was playing on an absolute other level at the Bernabeu against Girona. Afterwards, his coach, Carlo Ancelotti, said, when he plays like this, with this attitude, for me, he's the best player in the world. Would you agree with that, Craig? Best wide player in the world, maybe with the trickery and stuff, but there's two, there's two sides to Vinicius Jr. And I, and I suppose that's what makes the character, that's what makes the talent is... He's, he's had a lot, there's been a lot of problems in Spain for him uh, and, and, you know, with all the, uh, the sort of racism and that and, and that's been horrendous for him. But when he's in this kind of headspace as he was and has been in certain games where everything's going against him, this was the classical at Montjuic, uh, he, gets, yeah, he gets rugby tackled here, uh, but then he just, his head's gone, you know what I mean? He just, you watch his reaction to this, you watch Ancelotti having to drag him away. He wanted to referee this game. Everybody was his enemy, nobody was his friend, and it completely distracted him from what he does best. Now, Real Madrid won this game, uh, not because of Vinicius Junior, but despite him. This game, they won because of him. 
because when he's in this when he's in this headspace here, he's almost unstoppable. I mean, you could argue that pass was even better than the goal. Now the quick feet here, so that's him. He scored the he scored the beauty. He set up a cracker. He's destroyed Koto again, and not only that, here he is winning the ball back. So. What we saw on Saturday, Kay, for those that watched this game, was a little bit of everything. Was brilliant finishing, was brilliant passing, was great understanding, was great wide play, was almost unstoppable, was hard working, and it wasn't about the ref's not doing this, the linesman's not doing this, the manager's not doing this. It was about what this guy does best, and that is play football. And when he's got that switched on, and I know sometimes it's been really difficult for him with off the off-field stuff, but when he's on that field and he's got this switched on, he is an absolute handful, and we saw that at the weekend. Yeah, and he's helped his side to a five-point lead at the top of the table, but it's not all sweetness and light right now for Real Madrid because Jude Bellingham came off injured in this game. He's got an ankle injury, and it says Marca here, alert, because obviously there's Champions League coming up. It's two to three weeks, the club's medical report saying, so he won't feature in the Champions League game away to Leipzig this week. This is what we're looking at in all competitions. In La Liga, there's Rayo, Sevilla and Valencia coming up as well. And then the hope is that he would be back for that second leg against Leipzig. Now, Frank, we know that you're going to be rooting against Real Madrid anyway. Do you think there's any way a Leipzig that are a little off their own form can take advantage of this situation this week? Oh, yes, because it's always better when you don't have the, the maybe right now the best player in the world in his position uh, not, not playing. And, uh, and you can put a little bit of, bit of pressure in the middle of the park and you know that you won't have another player running that he's capable of doing and getting the spaces between the, uh, behind the centre-backs, for example. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an opportunity for, for Leipzig to, uh, to, to get something out of it. But uh, I think you have so much confidence. Can you believe that Real Madrid is not even playing with centre-backs right now? And uh, they, got, they played against Girona. And, uh, and some people were saying, you know, they, they might lose at home against Girona. They won 4-0, kept the clean sheet without any centre-backs. It was uh, uh, Chouamini and, um, and uh, Cabral who play in a, a centre-back. So that's, that's absolutely crazy. The confidence, and there's only one guy who's capable of doing that, is Carlo Ancelotti. The confidence that he gives to those players, which are considered as his kids. I saw when, you know, when he puts against, uh, on the classical, when he put Vinny out of, the, uh, out of the field, he took him like a kid, like, a, like, like his own son. You know, you get out. You punish. Go back to your room, and uh, next time you want to play, and you're going to switch on, like Craig said, you're going to play. But you're not in the right uh, frame of mind. I love that guy. I really love that guy. I followed him as a play, as a player. Now, as a coach, of course, he loves so much the players. He exactly knows how the players think, and he uses them at the best, at their best. And uh, and uh, I don't think Leipzig, even without Bellingham, can really exist with a, a Real Madrid capable of doing what they did against Girona. Now, ironically, after that little piece we just, we just run, he'll probably go back to playing them a little narrow again. Uh, and maybe Hossley will come in and one of them will get a rest, albeit being the Champions League. But the Bellingham one, it's interesting because, uh, you know, nobody's going to replace Bellingham with what he's given Real Madrid this season. But let me tell you, Brahim Diaz uh, coming off the bench... 
uh, or starting uh, and just making a difference has been has been actually outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been he's been absolutely, mm-hmm. and he looks like he's he just he's so confident about what he's bringing to the team in that final third. And so, yeah, it's a little blow for them, two or three weeks. Nice bit of ice on it. But I, I, I don't think it's going to be a major blow. Just don't take any risks. Remember the risk they took early in the season with Vinicius Jr.? Yep. Strapped him up with a hamstring, sent him back out. Horrendous decision. Just don't take any risks. As Frank mentioned, they've, you know, they've, 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 they've lost their main goalkeeper. They've been absolutely decimated across the back four. The midfield's been, been pretty solid. Uh, but just don't take any chances. But I, I really like if it's Brahim Diaz coming in to play this sort of support role to these front guys. I, I really like him at the moment. He, he's a terrific little footballer. Yeah, Real Madrid with options off the bench this season, ones that are serving them well as well. But Jude Bellingham, always a miss for this side after what isn't even a full season for him yet, Mario. Yeah, of course. And also, you know, like Ancelotti came out, he said, we played again uh, before with, uh, without him for four games and we won those games. OK, that's kind of a side that you want to say to him. Oh, he's that you and also for the team you want to protect the moral of the team and don't make it an individual only and saying like okay we only need him to win games because you want to keep the momentum going and I think that's what Frank jumped on like as a coach I think you know we want to learn football from our coaches but you want to also have a coach that understands the psychological level in the sense of how to how to talk to a team and an individual and making him understand the thing and getting the best out of you and I think you how you highlight Bellingham, yeah, losing him is a great loss. It's a big loss. I mean, not a great loss, a big loss in the sense of like the ankle. Because regardless if you come back, hey, your ankle is always going to be more sensitive in the sense of like the things that you are cap- normally doing. You have to wait to be able to do that again. But away from that, hey, if you manage to put your team out, <laughs> what you highlight without defenders, center halves, play your right back as a center half, and then play your right, right kind of midfielder forward, uh, Vasquez as a right back, and then still manage to underst- make everybody understand what they need to be doing. And I think when you are capable of doing that, you get a team like Real Madrid because they're incredible. Like the way they play, the understanding and the mindset of each individual is so up, up to date in the sense of like everybody, if you're watching football, that's what you want to see. You want to see a team that everybody knows what to do. And I think that's that's how you get the best out of each individual, including a belly we enjoy watching. What Real Madrid did amongst many things they did well at the weekend was keep could we call Girona one of the best attacking teams in Spain? I think yeah. I think I think they are. I think they have been. They've 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 had a bash at everybody home and away. They, I mean that was the normally stats, the stats even backed that up. Normally when you watch and they had Dovbik back. And so there's a weak point straight away. Carvajal and Chiumeni against one of the most informed strikers in Spanish football, the big Ukrainian. He's a handful, a right handful. So you're thinking Savino and crosses into the box and how is Chiumeni going to handle going back there? Yeah, he's a big lad, but he's not a centre-back. How is Carvajal going to handle it if, if, if Dovbik pulls onto him? But what Real Madrid did brilliantly from that perspective. They kept Girona, but the way they played, with the way they set the team out, they kept Girona, for the most part, away from the weakest point of their team. The weakest point of their team is the back line at this moment in time. And they really subdued this Girona side from getting with any, with any real endeavour at, at, at this back line and putting them under pressure. I mean, Artem Dovbik up front is probably the least amount of service he's had 
all season. It must have been so frustrating for him. So they, they really came up trump. So that's an unfortunate scenario if you're a neutral watching La Liga because this is really going to stunt Girona. But I'll go back to the Bellingham scenario. What about the celebration? The celebration to me just, I don't think it's arrogance. It's almost like I belong here. You know, I'm the man. And, and maybe there is an arrogance to him about it. I, I don't know. I don't, think it's an, I don't think he's an arrogant young man. But the fact that he just stands there at the Bernabeu and goes, I'm the man. I mean, that's, that's just incredible when you think about the pressure <laughs> it was on him going there and that what he's delivered <laughs> thus far from the middle of the park. Potentially going to be the top scorer, potentially, in Spain at the end of the season. There's a long way to go. From midfield... In your first season? At his age? As a youngster? Yeah. I mean, people, but there'll be Barcelona Craig, fans you know watching this going, stop Craig, talking about it. Greg, yes, you, you know what it means? It, it, it means, voila, and that's for you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I try, when I walk in the studio, I do that, and people just go, get lost. <laughs> There's been a new sponsorship leak, actually, and it's the silhouette of him doing this, and it's yeah. already becoming iconic this yeah. season. Yeah, Mario's yeah. seen that. When it comes to injuries in the Spanish capital, though, Atleti have also been dealt a bit of a blow with Alvaro Morata. Yep. Three weeks out with a knee injury. It happened in that 1-0 loss to Sevilla, and obviously with the way he's been playing this season, that is a miss. Well, it's a bigger blow for the Champions League, I think, because uh, they've got Inter, and... The league has gone for them. Now, their, their battle is now the top four. Athletic Club are uh, putting a good run together. They're, I think they're sitting in fifth. Uh, so they're now all of a sudden, uh, Atletico Madrid, that is looking over the shoulder and not, not looking above them. So that's a blow. Yeah, it is a blow. And Atleti will be up against Las Palmas, who've been another of the standout sides in La Liga this season. This Saturday, all of these games, as always, available in English and Spanish on ESPN+. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Kicker newspaper in Germany saying champion dawning. Obviously, all the fallout continues to Bayern Munich getting thrashed by Bayer Leverkusen, the leaders in Germany right now. And after that game, Thomas Muller had this to say. He said there are, of course, some symptoms on the pitch. To be honest, I'm pissed off. 
To quote Oliver Kahn, what I miss from us players are the balls in the game. We are showing significantly better approaches in training. It's okay to feel pressure, but there needs to be energy and freedom. That's missing in our game. Sometimes we have to speak about us players. It's not just about the coach. We have many international players at the highest level. We need to step up our game. Well, he's been pretty outspoken here, but he's not wrong, He's in his interview. Well, I can't. Remember. I don't know if he gave more than one interview where he he he'd lost. He went on some massive rant in German. I watched it. I know. Obviously, I had no idea what that, he was yeah, saying. Yeah, this, this was I, part of it. Yeah, yeah. But I knew it wasn't complimentary. <laughs> and he was like, and it was absolutely brilliant in the sense that, you know, I, I don't know how exactly he was having a pop at and in its totality, but the passion in there and that kind of like look, I don't know. Things have gone backwards. Julian Nagelsmann was at the game. He must be sitting thinking, would it have been like this if I had still been in charge? And I'm not saying Nagelsmann's the second coming of Guardiola or Klopp or, or any of those, but have they really got better? And they'll say, well, we won the title last year. Listen, Borussia Dortmund stuck their head in the sand and said, here's the title. They chucked it away right at the end. Bayern didn't really win it. Uh, he gets... He gets South Korean Kim. He wanted a good defender. He got the best defender in Italy last year. He wanted a striker. They blo broke the club transfer record. Uh, Eric Dyer was fifth or sixth choice at Tottenham. Yeah. I'm not blaming Eric yeah. Dyer for the weekend. I'm not blaming him because he goes to a back three when he hasn't played a back three all season, to my knowledge. He plays a back four. That's telling me straight away he's panicking. He's worried about what Leverkusen are going to do. He's more worried about what they're going to do than what his team's going to do. He brings Eric Dyer in. Ben Davis was playing before him. Emerson Royale was playing before him. Anybody who could defend was playing before Eric Dyer. And yet, he's seen as somebody that can come in and take them, help take them to a title. Ahead of even, you know, Matthias De Litt is, is left out, so his days are, are numbered. In the midfield, Goretzka plays with Pavlovic. Uh, Pavlovich, mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't fancy, clearly doesn't fancy Kimmich, who has had a shoulder injury, but he doesn't fancy him. He doesn't even fancy Goretzka, because he was out the team. So what is he? Yeah. What, what is it that this guy wants? He wanted the striker, he got one of the best for a club record. He wanted a defender, <clears throat> he got one of the best. Are you telling me that he's not going to win the league because he didn't get Paulinho from Fulham? Is that, what, is that, is that really what we're saying? Because yeah. that's kind of what he was saying. At this moment in time, Thomas Tuchel's days at Bayern Munich are numbered. It's only going to take one more catastrophic defeat, whether it be Champions League or the league, and they're going to, they're going to out him. And he's, got no, he's going to have nobody to blame but himself. Nobody to blame. And they're saying, he won't, they're saying they won't at the moment. They're saying it's it's Rummenigge and it's Ole Hornus. They wake up, they open the curtains and go, ah, today's a sacking day, we're Bayern Munich. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy into that. What about you, Frank? What are you nodding along there? You know what? I'm, I'm, um, when I watched that game and I watched that Bayern Munich this season, I, I said there is something missing. And we talked about that uh, with, uh, with Real Madrid and with Arsenal before. We are talking about the spirit. We, I can see some prima, pre, prima donnas in, uh, in, that, in that team. Um, the coach doesn't really know what he has to do. I think he's, he didn't get that some players like Muller, like Kimmich, 
are warriors and they think and they have that spirit that Bayern needs, definitely needs. So yes, Müller might be a little bit too old to play all games, but I think he's, uh, he can be crucial at a certain point. But Kimmich in the middle of the park has been the the warrior, the example of that team and, uh, and that club. I don't even understand why he's not, he's not playing and you're not telling me that he lost all his talent. So. Uh, I don't understand what's going on right now. I don't understand why they're doing right now, but something is missing and I don't think they're going to catch it uh, before the end of the season because, yeah, it's possible they're going to come back, but Bayer Leverkusen, come on. Uh, we are talking a team who has been undefeated, who played a fantastic game, uh, who exactly knows what they have to do and have that spirit, which is crucial. Yeah. Undefeated in 31 games in all competitions this season. What do you make of it all, Mario? Yeah, we talked about it before, you know, when we highlighted teams and individuals, right? This is definitely a, a team and playing against an individual uh, side. Like Munich, when you look at Bayern, it's more individuals. But if you look at like, okay, uh, Frimpong didn't start the game because he came on after. But, but if you look at, if you highlight the two, you know, Guillermo um, and uh, Frimpong, like just looking at them, what they bring to that team, and Maserati, maybe also because I know him from his Ajax days, so that's why it's e easier. And boy, that they just bought. But those guys, what they bring to, you know, the, the wingbacks, what they bring, you know, for Leverkusen is incredible. You know, the speed and the power that they have and the, 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 the endurance of always keeping, keeping going on as a fullback. I've played that position. And people can say to you, oh, the, you, you, you. You, the thinking-wise, you sometimes you are fourth defender, and sometimes you are part of the attacking side. So you have to be one of the fittest guys in the team. And I feel like he has a built a team, you know, like um, Alonso, that they understand exactly the timing where they need to be. Where do you need to be when we break out? You need to make sure that you use your pace. And on the last goal, you could see them when they bring the... Always when you see goalkeepers coming forward in a, in a, in a crucial game like this, because this is number one, number two playing each other. But when, when a goalkeeper comes forward in a game like that, you know, there's a kind of a little trouble at that team. Because normally, if you are a team that's in control, you don't bring your goalkeeper forward. But then Neuer comes forward and then they hit them on the break. And then who is trying to save them from the goal? Sane. He's trying to stop them from scoring. So things like this, I think it's, it's, it's a bigger problem at Bayern than I think they even try to keep inside. Because if it keeps on going like that, Kane comes to your team and then trying to win a trophy, and now it does not even look like that. Because some of the cups today, you know, in the beginning of the season, yeah, that's the beginning, that's nothing. But then you look at the Champions League, it's a chance of winning it, that's not a big chance. The league... You know, that's okay. We know we, they can push all the way to the end. So, we, you know, you expect Leverkusen to push all the way through. But still, it's like this club is not used to being a team that's not in control. And I think that is what's going to be a big, big question and an answer for them to fill. It's not as easy as people think in big games just to go to a back three because all of a sudden... The spacing between the defenders is different. You know how far do the wing backs push? We did it. Was we did it with the national team, Scotland, relentlessly for a decade, and it was a little dull, or a lot, uh, but everybody knew their job. And I played on the right hand side, and there was always three defenders behind that, that knew their job. 
All of a sudden you go into this huge game in Germany, away from home, and all of a sudden you've got guys trying to figure out where their positioning is comparison to the other centre-back, and Frank knows a lot about that having been a centre-back, is when you're working beside a partner, you kind of work off your partner. When you've got three back there, or one in the middle and two outside, and two wing-backs pushed on, or, or they tucked in, all of a sudden it, it can easily get out of shape. Uh, rather than just going there with a the back four and saying, listen, we, we, we've got... We're, not, we're going to swallow our pride here. Leverkusen are the best team in Germany at the moment. We're in Leverkusen. We're going to be solid early on. We're going to sit in. We're going to see what punches they're going to throw at us. And we have got a bit of pace to hit them on the counter. I, I think that would have been a, a more sensible approach rather than going, right, I'll tell you what, this is what we've done most of the year. Let's rip it up, throw it out. Biggest game of the season. Going to go to a back three. Going to get two wing backs in. One of them's a new signing. Yeah, that's going to work. I mean, it's just, it's, it's head-scratching stuff, it really is. Well, we'll see how they respond this week in the Champions League against Lazio, and we'll obviously be talking about the Champions League games on the next editions of ESPN FC. Be sure to be with us for those. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. We've got Mario, Frank, and Craig here tonight. How come? How come we've made the effort to come in there to those two? They don't want us next to you, Craig. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah. How come? I think I think Frank's actually heading here in the summer. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Bristol. And I'm going to talk a lot. I'm gonna t and 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 uh, by the way, Kay, the the uh, Lyon player is called Cacre. In French, uh, with, uh, when you have a T at the end and you have n and you have you don't have anything behind and you have only one T, you don't pronounce it. So it's Cacre. Cacre. Yeah, all that prep. Sounded just like <laughs> you're supposed to come in and look at it and you balls it up. Yeah. When Frank comes in the summer, right? If, if Frank comes in the summer, which yeah, if Frank's coming in the summer. He always comes for the big tournaments. He's very elitist, is our yeah. But he'll be if he's staying if he's if he's staying in West Hartford, it'll be like the apocalypse, won't it? If somebody tells people in West Hartford that he's coming, he'll get there and they'll be like, nobody around. Oh, that's not kind. Will I be waiting outside for his autograph? And he'll see probably see Don Hutchinson taking pictures of stop signs. God, this is great in America. Stop signs. What what this is true, Mario. It's true. Yeah. Don Hutchinson was America. very excited about stop signs. American things. Yes. Yeah. Very excited about America. Oh, a stop sign. Oh, 
Let's see if Chelsea have got you excited with these back-to-back 3-1 wins. Did those goals by Connor prevent another session from the positivity corner? Yep. Yep, but Liverpool's come. City's coming up. <laughs> yep, just it off. The positivity City, corner could City, be featuring City's soon. coming up in Liverpool. It could all go downhill very quickly. Which team is which team is harder to figure out from game to game? Man United or Chelsea? Mario. Oh my god. I think I think both sides are in a similar position, but um, if I have to pick one, I think yeah. Oh, oh, because maybe because it's a, then I have to look at it as a fan. If you look at it as a fan, I mean, the Chelsea rollercoaster hurts more than the Man United because you're not a fan of them. But on the, on the other side, I already told you, both teams are in similar ups and downs. But Chelsea is the one that I say, like, yeah, that affects me the most. Which car park would you rather be parking in at the moment, Frank? We had this question before. Would you be rather driving up to Manchester United as a player there right now or Chelsea? I will never park at the Manchester United <laughs> parking lot, you know. Leave me alone with I have that. A chauffeur. <laughs> I'm a former Chelsea player and I can analyze and comment and be nice to Manchester United when they play well, but I will never park at Old Trafford for sure. Oh, oh. I think they I think the walk from old, I think the walk from I, I, I'd imagine the players don't quite park in the same area as the broadcasters, but it's not far away. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of a stroll down to the end, and then the supporters are fenced off. Yeah. Uh, but you know you can hear them. And Chelsea's a little bit of a walk if they're parking in the hotel the underground car park, which I don't know if they are or not. So yeah. We did for a long Chelsea. time. You're right. We did for a long time. I think my friend was there too. But then afterwards they put the gates, so they kind of protected us. How we got into the stadium. So I think they start doing that at the end because my last time I remember they guide them a little bit into it. But I told them say, yeah, they guide you from Chelsea, they guide you into the stadium and then you go from the back end and get to the to the dressing room. And of course Frank had his entourage and his bodyguards. <laughs> when I was at Cel- when I was at Celtic we, well, used, of course, to park in the, of course. we used to park in the little school. Which is quite which is quite close to the main entrance at Celtic Park, but it wasn't close enough. And uh, Whenever there was a bad result, which wasn't too many, but there was the odd bad result in a very big year, <clears throat> which was a lot of pressure, a lot of, just a horrendous amount of pressure in 97, 98. And the boys used to go in the, the players' lounge after, obviously for a few couple of beers and see the families. And then they would send a, we'd always send a security guard out if the result had been bad to ask if the, if the large crowd had dissipated yet. <laughs> and and, and it, the word used to come back would be like, no. Uh, let's have another one then. We'll give it half an hour. <laughs> have they gone? No. They could have been. But you know, you know, Kay. When I signed for Chelsea, that was crazy. But that was unbelievable. That we had to park behind the stadium where the museum is now, and uh, and uh-huh. we had to walk, and we had no security. It was completely, you know, safe, and we are we never had any problems, and we are in the middle of the fight with the fans. I remember one day losing. <laughs> A big time and uh, and getting out very quickly because I had to catch a flight straight after and I was even with the fans because I took a quick shower and I never had any problem never and it was in 96 97 98 and then after we we had as Mario said we had to park underneath the hotel but we had to walk for like yeah. I would say 200 yards and we, <laughs> we had no problem I never thought you know I, I feel in danger 
I don't. I didn't need a bodyguard, as you said. You know, I, you know, just a smile, and uh, that was enough. And uh, everybody was uh, was cool with us. Yeah. It's worse going back as a broadcaster. Trust me. Well, it's not worse. I don't really care. But well, it's because of the things you say. I'm very uh, down the middle, sit on the fence. But you know, I, I've been to a lot. I mean, obviously, I've been to a lot of grounds, and. Uh, let me just say, fans, a lot of fans, it's not difficult for them to get irate. And, yes. But it is, it is what it is. You, you put, How you did put you yourself... experience the Fulham one? Greg, tell them about the Fulham ground. When it was Fulham? You did the time. Fulham, yeah, the stadium, going into the dressing room and to the field. How small the dressing room was. Oh, yeah, well, tiny. Well, it's a cottage, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, they didn't, didn't have a while. They had like one of those party cabins, I remember, at Craven Cottage. And you have to park on the street sometimes, and it's in amongst yeah. the houses. And yeah, but, they, but they're very posh in Fulham, you know. So they're, you know, they're quite posh. It's a very posh part of London. I mean, you phone the fire brigade, they say who recommended us, all that sort of stuff. So that's not too bad. But fans do remember what you say. You said that. You said that. You said that three weeks ago. So, you know, you have to. But it's part of the job. As long as it doesn't get physical, but it's just verbal, then that's that's fine. You put yourself out there, you. The next question for you, Craig. Oh no. Should West Ham stick with Moyes and give him a renewal, or look to change? You know, this is a really this is a really difficult one. I mean, I'm sort of conflicted here because West Ham were a club that was either going down or facing relegation, bit topsy turvy, bit up and down, and he has brought. There is no doubt he has brought stability, as well as success. You know, they were, uh, they won the Europa Conference. I know it's not a huge thing, but it is for them. They were pushing the top four at one point. I think it was last season or the season before. They were in, they're currently in the Europa League, I believe. <clears throat> they've had this great European run where they've picked up almost more points than anybody. So you have to balance that with the style of football. And I think, that's where West Ham fans are coming from, is it's it's the style. Now, it's not so much yesterday's drubbing by Arsenal, but I think it's the way that they play. And I am conflicted because he has brought a great stability to the football club. They will ne- not even a discussion, never have been, about being relegated really since he's been in there for a, for a period of time. Uh, is the football great? At times, it's not. So I, 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 I'm six and two threes with this one. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the guys think. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, what, what, what do you? What way would you guys go? I mean, he's done. He's done a pretty good job there. It, yeah, because there's still like what is it eight or something. So for me, it's kind of like I understand the people uh, questioning it, but where they come from and where he has them now, it's like I, I think there's a, a lot of uncertainty here, stay in a way, but I think maybe what, what the question would be, what I think is, there was a moment when West Ham was that high, and I think maybe the fans got a little bit carried away in the sense of like, oh, look where we are now, and then start dropping, and I think that became a sensitive aspect for them. But look, if you, if you, Moise has always been a coach, his main focus is always, I don't want to get beat. And then he started thinking about how I'm going to play. 
And if they want something else away from that philosophy, okay, I understand that they might be looking at something like that, you know. But if that is not the case and they want to be like, okay, guys, we keep on building this slow momentum because it's not like going to be super fast and hitting the top four straight away, then there is no need to, to panic yet and stay calm. But if they bring the panic in, wow, then it's going to be, uh, I know, okay, they didn't look against Arsenal, but what did you expect? You're playing against a team that's playing great football and you're the team that has, you know, maneuvers ups and downs. You, you're still higher than Chelsea. So at least that doesn't happen all often. I love it. You're still higher than Chelsea. So don't worry, it's not all so bad. <laughs> what, what, I would say, what I would say with this is that, that, that there's been examples of owners want to change the way a club goes about its business. You take a couple of clubs, at least a couple, and I'll give you another one on top of it, it was Bournemouth. Gary O'Neill did an amazing job, amazing <clears> job, <throat> and he's doing a good job at Wolves. I could beat it the weekend, but he's doing a good job, really good job at Wolves. Uh, and he did it at Bournemouth, but they wanted to, they not only wanted to be, to be safe from relegation, but they wanted to change the style of play. <clears throat> so did Tony Bloom at Brighton. Chris Hutton, a very experienced manager, and did, did a great job there, but it was very, sort of West Ham-esque in terms of how Brighton went about their business. And Tony Bloom said, we, we want more than that. And so Graham Potter comes in and now Roberto De Zerbi comes in and all of a sudden the football over the past three or four years has been, been, been excellent. Tottenham is the same. One of the problems for David Moyes is, is that the game changed many years ago from just about going to watch for the fan and it was just about results. Results are the most important thing. But, it, but th this game has never been more an entertainment business than it is now. Because ticket prices are more expensive than they've ever been. So it's more uh, costly for individuals and people to take young kids and families to go. And whether we agree or not, people want to be entertained. They, they, they want to go on a weekend or whenever it is and they want to be entertained. Now they can all see how everyone else are playing. And they can see what Brighton are doing, they can see what Bournemouth are doing, they can see what Tottenham are doing. They clearly know what the big guys, the real big guys have done. Uh, but all these other clubs want a piece of this. Right. And so the fans, I'm not going to call them snobby or elitist, it's not. They want, they want more bang for their buck. And that's, got, that's a problem for David Moyes, is that they, they and, and you can't blame them for this. They want to go, they want to get, they want to see good results, and they want success and all that. They want to, they don't want to be relegated, but they want to see some good football. And and I think that's going to be a big problem for David Moyes over the next couple of months. What do you think, Frank? Keep him or change him? Um, I, I agree with with Craig when he said that uh, he stabilised the club, but the football is not great. Um, but you know, he maybe don't have the players that he doesn't have the player that he would need to go a little bit better. But it's not this way of playing, it's not the way of thinking the football. And I again agree with Craig where you have to entertain the people and make the football better. It's what it is. And it's why maybe Conte, Mourinho, maybe Moyes and some others who are from the former school, I would say the older school, will disappear uh, sooner or later because uh, you need to show something else and football like players they are they change and um, they get different we don't say better but they get different according to what the fans wants to see and uh, yeah they want to see it because we pay I have to I have to I have to pay my uh, my membership for three different channels 
in order to follow uh, the Premier League or the League One or the Liga or the, the Bundesliga is completely different where before it was only one channel and some, some of the games were for free. And you can't see your game if you don't pay on TV. And, and, the, and, the, and the seats are very expensive as well, especially in the Premier League. So they want to see something. They want to see a spectacle. And they, uh, they don't really see that, that uh, uh, with West Ham. No, and there is one channel that talks about it all. It's right here on ESPN. I think, we'll see the other, I, I think, I think we're yes. going to see Graham Potter at either Palace or West Ham very soon. I was interested, that question came off. Craig will be back tomorrow if the snowstorm doesn't stop him. Make sure to join us then. I'll, ba I'll battle my way Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com.